Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, in our reading for this morning, the Apostle Paul describes the world, creation, in terms that we can all understand. And if you were following along, maybe you picked up on this, that creation, that the world we share, is a fractured and troubled creation. The whole passage, however, is this one of hope. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, but it's this one of hope. And it's this reminder, especially at the very end, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But in the passage, Paul drops in these statements of reality and fact that the world that we share is a broken one. Amen? I want to just look at a couple of verses in here that I think are really at the heart of, um, of what he's getting at. In verse 22, and again, you just heard this, but let me read it again. He writes, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Now, you can sense a real hope in those words. Like the whole labor pains of creation, this intimation that something life-giving is on the way. That something less than broken is in the wings. That's kind of nice. That something new is being born. When we're talking about labor, we're talking about birth, a new life. And this is deeply rooted in um, Paul's Jewish understanding of what we uh, of what they call the Olam Ha'aba, which is the world to come, and the fullness of this kind of new creation. This is one of the great undertones of Scripture. I mean, all you have to do is pay attention, and you'll see this kind of day seven creation, day seven theology of a place of rest where God and his creation are at peace. This is one of the great undertones of the Bible, that God is taking creation somewhere, and it's good. Amen? It's not bad. It's good. But for now, Paul writes, the world suffers. The whole creation has been groaning. And I think we understand this. I mean, the climate crisis and all that comes with that, disease and pandemics that wreak havoc, on people's lives. We understand these things. The never-ceasing conflicts between nations and political parties, uh, we're familiar with that. And now, aliens. (laughs) Are you with me? Did anyone watch those congressional hearings? You didn't? You're not as politically minded as you come across. I watched the whole thing, and it was the first time I'd ever seen these political figures just be nice, and you know why? Because they're freaked out. (laughs) I mean, I forget who it was, but like, you know, some congressional member is like, so you're saying we have aircraft, spacecraft in a building somewhere? 
And these are military guys. So they push the button and they say, yeah. And the whole panel was like, ooh, you know. No one was yelling. It was a beautiful political moment, you know, a unifying thing. I'm rooting for it. Maybe they're coming to save us. What? Oh. Are you giving me this? Okay. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so the Apostle Paul, when he talks about all of creation groaning and labor pains, he's on to something. He would have had a front row seat to political injustice, widespread hunger, unfair wages, the impact of a class war and social separations. He would have been quite familiar with these things. I mean, why wouldn't he, wouldn't he have said that creation itself was in great pain? I like the honesty in those words. But notice what he says next. And not only creation, but we, what? Ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. He turns the lens from creation to people. That it's not just creation itself that's struggling, but that we too are struggling. That we too experience uh, suffering and hardship. And these are strong and prayerful words, if you notice them where he's talking about how we are waiting for, quote, the redemption of our bodies, you know? And you guys know this. As you get older, you're like, I could use that redemption of the body. That something isn't right with us. Either that, uh, you know, we're all struggling underneath the weight of life. It's the human experience is hardship and suffering Jesus, with some facts, in John 16, said, in this world, you will have trouble. Amen? There's no prosperity gospel in Jesus' words there. <laughs> oh, in this world, it's going to be tough. You will have trouble. In uh, 1993... The band R.E.M. recorded and released a kind of olive branch song titled, Everybody Hurts. Perhaps you've seen the really bad music video. <laughs> now the story goes that the song was written for high school students who were struggling under the weight of those formative years and was meant to be this kind of encouraging song to hang in there because as the song says, everybody hurts sometimes. It's not my favorite R.E.M. song. Uh, I usually don't listen to R.E.M. past 1988. Um, so we were, my wife and I were uh, in the living room one night, just, we just talk about random things. And I said, uh, man, I really hate the song Shiny Happy People, which is an R.E.M. song. And she says, I love shiny, happy people. So for better or worse. I mean, that's, 
That's what it is. It's not my favorite REM song, but it is this nice artistic piece that reminds us that none of us is immune to suffering and hardship. I mean, if we're just sticking with music, all you have to do is listen to the blues and you will feel the pain of people's lives. It's not hard to hear. And the question I want us to consider over the next few minutes is, uh, what are we supposed to do with our pain and suffering? What is it that we are to do with those things? Um, And because suffering is such a normal part of the human experience, uh, it's a good question. I mean, it's so normal that the Bible has several books that are just devoted almost entirely to this subject alone. And as you know, suffering is not an issue of if, but when, right? If you're not familiar with that truth, I've drawn a diagram for you. Um, And this is sort of the cycle of suffering. You're in suffering, you come out of suffering, there's moments of peace, that's usually when we get online and share our wisdom. <laughs> and then we go back into it. Amen? It's just a cycle. Can't avoid it. And it is interesting because we, we are people. People in general will do this. We try and curate our lives to where we will never have to deal with these things. But it is impossible There's a cycle. It just keeps turning. And so what does God invite us to do with suffering? Joan Chatista writes, living life suspended over time simply does not work. The static kills. Only the capacity to go on living, to face all of life as it is, grows us. With or without our permission, with or without our understanding, eventually suffering comes. Then the question is only how to endure it, how to accept it, how to cope with it, and how to turn it from dross to gleam. I think suffering reminds us, most of all, of our limitations as humans. You may um, live in such a way where you don't imagine yourself to have limitations. But limitations are uh, one of the defining factors of what it means to be human. That we have boundaries, uh, that we are unable to be our own gods. We have limited power. And suffering reminds us that we're not always in control. Now, C.S. Lewis called this God's megaphone, that when suffering comes, we are ushered into this reality about our limitations. We're reminded quite quickly, oh yeah, I'm not invincible. None of us are immune to troubles. None of us are invincible in any way. And in this way, suffering becomes a kind of moment of conversion when we are able to cross over the imaginary idea that we are gods unto ourselves. And 
as we go through life, doesn't matter if you're young or old, all of us have been hit with something that reminds us that we are limited in our capacity to nail it in this life. And the thing God invites us to, into really, in the midst of our suffering, is not just this renewed awareness of our limitations. What God invites us uh, to do in our suffering is to display something. And this is what I want to end with today. That in our suffering, in our troubles, in our hardships, what God is looking for from us is compassion, mercy. I posted this photo on Instagram in like April of 2020. Do you guys remember what was going on in April of 2020? COVID. And I just wrote... The whole world is now observing Lent, right? The intent of the posts, the intent there was a compassionate response to everyone. But as you know, it didn't really work that well. Not the post, the compassion part. The we're all in this together lasted about two weeks and then the world began to churn and push out these, I mean, just so much like blame and acrimony and rancor and people being called murderers and people being called weak. Compassion was in short supply. Can we agree on that? I think when we look back on this and later in future years that we will say, man, I think we... I think we missed that. We're all in this together. That lasted about two weeks. And then it was us and them. And it's tough. But the intent was a compassionate response to everyone. Because suffering is such a universal experience that suffering itself should be the foundation of mercy that when those around us are hurting, we remember our own pain and our own sufferings and we are transformed into a vehicle of mercy and compassion. That is what God is looking for in our suffering, that we would grow in our compassion, that we would grow in our mercy. This is what I know. Every single person in this room, even if I don't know you, is under something heavy. Amen? Everybody's dealing with something that is tough. Many of you are carrying around the loss of a loved one, a friend or a parent. Some of you are burdened with an anxiety and a depression that won't go away. Some of you are slogging through an addiction. One of the most sacred things I've encountered as a pastor is, and I've lost count of how many people have showed me their AA tokens. Just 
No words, just show, they just show me. A silent way of widening support and prayer. It's tough. Some of you are convinced that you're terrible at parenting. And you know what? We're all terrible at parenting. (laughs) But some of you struggle with that. Some of you have been cast out by family, by friends, or even churches for whatever reason. Some of you are struggling with health, failing health. There isn't anyone in this room that isn't under the weight of something. And I think where compassion gets stifled is when we assume that no one else is suffering. When it's just us. And there isn't anyone in here that isn't dealing with something. There isn't anyone out there that isn't dealing with something. And the response that God invites us to is not more advice or you should have or even uh, some kind of solution. But just, just compassion. Just compassion. The Apostle Paul said elsewhere in his letter to the Galatian church, bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the what? The law of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That the law of Christ can be summed up in this act of bearing each other of helping lift and carry each other. David Zoll wrote in his book, Low Anthropology, where as perfection alienates, weakness catalyzes togetherness. I love that. And if you've been around this church for any length of time, you've probably picked up on, we're not very interested around here in moral superiority. Because A, it's unattainable. And B, it's not very becoming. We're also not interested in like, just keep doing these things and you'll be better as a Christian. I, I tend to side with Martin Luther on this, that it's better just to bottom out and find grace. <laughs> you know? Are you with me on that? It's so much easier. Just be a loser and there you can find grace but you know the church is the assembly of the breakable amen that's what it is we're not here perfecting anything we are carrying each other through this life because we are breakable and we practice the quote law of Christ when we let compassion have its way with those who are also suffering Last week, Suzanne preached on community. It was a great sermon. And what I know about community, what I know about parish groups, what I know about when the, circle, when the circles form within the church and people's living rooms, what I know is that given enough time, something difficult surfaces. And it's in those moments that we fulfill the law of Christ. Paul ends this passage in Romans saying, 
some of the most famous words in all of the New Testament. For I am convinced, he said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And on one level, that's a statement about God. But on another level, we know this to be true because we practice this among each other. Amen? That Christ is working through us as we carry the burdens of those in our midst. Trouble in mind I'm blue And I won't be blue always I know the sun gonna shine In my back door someday I'm gonna lay The 219 train Ease my worried mind